Ladies, gentlemen, or what have you, I'm Orion Lavelle. I'm Travis Mattingly. And you're listening to Tooth and Nail, a monstrous podcast where we're going to get both serpentine and feathery up in here. Oh boy, we're going to get halfway down Snake Way, is that where we're going? Mm-hmm, and going straight up Bird Alley. <laughs> that would be because on this particular episode, we're talking about the Quaddle. Hey, this is a, I think, well, I, I don't know if this is fact. I was going to say, I feel like this is a famous thing outside of D&D. You're mostly right, yeah. So the Quaddle <laughs> is based on the Mesoamerican Quetzalcoatl, uh, which is yeah, yeah. like a, the a, in the same way that the Quaddle is, they are both feathered serpents uh, that are capable of transformation. Quetzalcoatl being a wind god kind of figure, and the Quaddle just being a, a happy snake boy. Yeah. Yeah, this is one of those happy little celestial creatures that kind of similarly to the angels, they function more for plot than for fighting. This is very akin to the Deva, where it feels more like this is just supposed to be like the helpful guidance figure, like this is your Gandalf for the beginning early game of your campaign. Yeah, which is a little weird just because of what it's based off of, like, like the gravitas of the thing that it's based off of. It's kind of weird that it is this little yeah. kind of plot relative creature, but... Yeah, yeah, it, it does feel a little bit strange and disassociative, but, well, I don't really have a butt for that. It does feel a little bit strange and disassociative. <laughs> yeah, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not saying, like, it's totally a bad thing. It's just, it's it, it, it was a little weird because when I saw we were coming up on them, I was like, oh, it's going to be a... Yeah, they definitely have the cadence of, like, an angelic kind of creature. And they mostly are angelic creatures. They're just not angels. Yes. Like, the similarities between them and Deva are pretty, pretty spot on. They fulfill similar functions. But are dragons. Yeah, but are of dragons of sorts. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's get in on into this. Let's open up this dragon. Let's take a step inside it. Let's, uh, walk in its guts. Uh, its bones <laughs> are ceiling beams, uh, here in this, this belly of, a uh, Quaddle. <laughs> that was the most horrifying intro yet. Mm-hmm. Let's go. <laughs> so artistically, it just looks like a very holy Shenron to me, like, like from Dragon yeah. Ball. Yeah. I can absolutely see that. It has an incredibly, like, the proportions on it are the proportions of a creature that is much bigger than a medium size. Absolutely, absolutely. It gives the sense similarly, similarly, but to a, a much less ridiculous scale as the cockatrice. It has the, the artistic representation makes it look very big and grand when really it's just person sized. Yeah, normally it's like if something is drawn the way this is with the head being like, one one hundredth of the body it implies that like it's gargantuan in size but meanwhile it's its head is just kind of the size of a fist mm -hmm. it's just dude sized yeah yeah and to make it very obvious it's like a very pretty green and turquoise serpent dragon kind of thing with a set of angel wings attached to it very pretty feathered angel wings yeah, I really like the color contrast mm. on this thing. Yeah, absolutely. Just the turquoise body and the yellowish orange wings. I yeah. really like. Yeah, it is very it's very surreal, it's very celestial, it's very pretty. It's a very pretty color combination for a nice friend. Yeah, it's both cool and warm. Mm-hmm. 
getting into some of the details, it has the like water dragon Final Fantasy Leviathan fins on its face, which is one of the things <laughs> that you can slap onto a snake to make it look profound, I guess. It's a very common yeah. design cue for cool snakes to have fins on their heads. Yeah, well, that also makes it look, for some reason, more like a dragon. Yeah, yeah, that is very true. It's like if you need a snake to read as a dragon, just slap fins on its face. Yeah, it has this all combined with like the color and the scales and the snake face. It looks like like a 2009 t-shirt that would become a meme. It looks like the wolf pack kind of t-shirt. <laughs> it's got that oh, kind okay. of like celestial but like spiritual creature kind of quality to it. For sure. It's very, it's, it is very, it's a good friend. It's a nice, ferocious, powerful, spiritual <laughs> friend. This thing is on a, a handmade wool blanket somewhere in a hippie store in a mall. Mm-hmm, absolutely, absolutely. My favorite thing about the design is that the end of its tail kind of looks like a very serene tree branch. Yeah, I literally, somehow that, like, escaped my view until I looked at your notes. Yeah, so the, the bottom part of its tail, it, like, branches off into little leaves that seem to sway in the wind. It's very cool. Yeah, it's like, I don't know if they're supposed to be feathers, but they're in... Like, they're on little branch stems, so yeah. they're like leaf feathers. Yeah, it looks very much like a tree. I have no idea. Like, even I, even the very minor research I did into Quetzalcoatl couldn't give me any context for why it's got a tree butt. But it's a very good tree butt, so I'm not bothered by it necessarily. It does look very serene and just so spiritual and strong. Man, <laughs> I just, I wanted it on a t-shirt. It's really cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is more or less a combination of the two different kinds of coatl from 4th edition. No. I think it's there were just two like artistic representations of the same creature in 4th edition, and they just kind of took the blue one and the green one and smashed them together into one. Hmm, that's cool. I had a look at the 1st edition one, and it mostly just looked like a snake with wings. <laughs> yeah, the 1st edition one is just a snake what has wings on it. Yeah. Uh, the second edition one is goddamn hysterical. Yeah, lay it down. It's hysterical in the way that everything from second edition is hysterical. Oh boy, that's <laughs> that's like a roadster right there. Yeah, I was gonna say in second edition it was more like a tattoo my grandpa has. Absolutely, that guy. <laughs> if he went really fast, his eyeballs would eject from his skull. That's what this guy looks like. <laughs> They're already falling out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very big. It's very, uh, very cartoonish. I'm maybe, maybe, maybe we should do like a hyper episode where we just like shotgun poke wrap our way through all of the best designs in second edition. <laughs> that would be fun. I'd be willing to go back and look through all those. I think there's already a podcast that does that, but eh, fuck uh, it. there are like 2 billion podcasts about everything. Who cares? We're in a saturated market. No one's special except for this very spiritual, strong serpent angel <laughs> it's very good you know what's disappointing is what? this forgotten realms uh wiki doesn't have any art for the third edition one mm. so i don't know if it had art in third edition well we can just assume it was a less graceful looking version of what we have here for fifth edition <laughs> yeah i guess it, maybe it had more barbs because everything in third edition had barbs yeah or maybe it was like angrier looking or just like ganglier <laughs> it was the middle evolution if we're to, <laughs> to use Pokemon terms. Well, now I've got to just... Hold on. Quattle. Ah, Quattle 3. Nope, nope. Even even Googling it, there's nothing except... <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> Spoke too soon. Uh, it's 
if there was one in third edition, it was only in the Eberron book, because boy howdy, it looks like this. It looks like a Final Fantasy summon. Oh my god. That is the <laughs> snake that will swallow the world. Yeah, medium size, right? <laughs> not not this boy. Not for <laughs> not for that. Damn. Yep. It does. It man, it it went full Shenron. Yeah, for sure. It looks straight up like Shenron or a Final Fantasy summon. Yeah. Oh, it was size large in third edition, excuse okay. me. Okay. I don't know why they they truncated it a bit for fifth edition. Who can yeah, say? Yeah, first edition is medium. Second, third, and fourth were large. Fifth edition is medium. That's weird. Yeah, this has the cadence of a creature that would be a lot stronger than it is. So, like, mm -hmm. dipping into the later parts of this episode, this is kind of an early game monster. I I almost wonder if maybe they were, like, trying to carve out a niche for it. Like, we've already got devas and planetars and solars for angels. Maybe we could throw in a celestial creature that is helpful for the early game. Yeah, something a little less, something a little less handsome man. Yeah, or something that could help the party in a combat without just obliterating whatever party of orcs <laughs> that they were fighting or something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we'll find that to be mostly true. Uh, but first, we got to talk about lore stuff. Yeah. So in terms of the lore, these guys are basically the friend version of the Chuls. So Quaddles were created by this benevolent, forgotten, unnamed god in order to act as guardians and agents of this good, good friend god. So Quaddles basically just spend all of their time guarding forgotten relics and ancient powers and chosen ones and prophecies and all that shit. Importantly, they like to do their job somewhat subtly, as we saw with Deva. They tend to disguise their true forms with magic and hide the truth of their existence from the people they help and also their enemies. So kind of stymiingly, the Quaddle, they are not allowed to lie. <laughs> they, they can't lie. But they can hide the truth by being vague or withholding information or giving leading information. Typically, this is mostly done to hide their true form. But boy, that sure does feel like the curse of an angry god to make this creature want to and have all the tools to disguise itself and also make it unable to lie. Wasn't the ability not to lie also just kind of an inherent angel thing? No, I don't remember that being the case. You may be thinking about the planetar who can detect lies. Oh, that's right. They are, they're all about detecting lies, not not telling lies. That's right. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure Deva can bend the truth as much as they like. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I I had conflated the 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 detecting lies with Yeah. This feels like this feels like the work of an angry god. It also kind of feels like a real sharp way to fuck over DMs who maybe ain't so good at bending the truth mm -hmm. in a pinch like that. It's not the biggest deal because there are a whole bunch of mechanical safeguards that keep the Quaddle's identity secret, but it still feels like kind of uh I don't know, it feels a little finicky. You you would have to like You'd have to prepare so far ahead of time for, like, enough contingency, like, bullshit statements. Yeah, yeah, which doesn't feel like in the spirit of D&D. Like, the, I feel like even the most prepared DMs can only do so much and have to improvise as best they can most of the time. Yeah. This feels like a really harsh way to, like, entrap DMs who have to spend this entire time telling half-truths in order to hide their Gandalf. Yeah, because we all know that one player that, like, 
can read the DM like a fucking book. Absolutely. It's like, Absolutely. It's like you say, the DM says one sentence and shifts their eyes a little to the left and the player metagames the hell out of them. Absolutely. It's kind of like the opposite of false appearance where like, no matter what, a trap chest is going to look like a trap chest. No matter what you do, no matter how many insight checks fail, they're going to be suspicious of the Quadal if you're not good at hiding the Quadal's identity. Mm which not everybody can be. So not my favorite thing. Yeah, I mean, it's cool in concept. Yeah, it's cool conceptually, but in practice, I don't know. I... Rough. Yeah, (laughs) I can see it getting kind of broken or ending up leading to some unintentional retcons within someone's campaign. Yeah. Ecologically, they have a pretty neat familial structure, Coatles have, where these Coatles can live for eons without food or air, but they can die from disease or like old age or just like straight up murder. In a neat touch, the Coatle has something like a doom sense where they can precognate their own deaths. And if they haven't filled their divine mission that has been set down from this forgotten god, they have these tiny little existential crises, which like all of us, immediately prompts them to look for another quaddle to pop out some baby quaddles. <laughs> like all of us. Like all of us. And he, let me just uh, let me just plop down what the actual text is for this. Yeah, it's so good. This is so like fourth grade health class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the mating ritual of quaddles is a beautiful and elaborate dance of magic and light, which results in a gem-like egg from which a new quaddle hatches. <laughs> Which, like, not only is that an angry god, that's a prudish god. Give me a quaddle that fucks. I want some bumping and grinding. I was gonna say. For my... <laughs> He's so strong and spiritual. Give him this. Let him... They I mean, like... for eons. Eons. And they eons. know so much. They do. They fuck. They do. They absolutely do. They absolutely do. It is a beautiful ceremony of life, to be sure. But, uh... I don't know, it does feel a little bit like, and then the angel kissed you on the head, and that's how you came down from the stork, kind of, I don't know. Man, I'm, like, doing my best to find a way to turn the word coaddle to mix it with the word coitus, but I just can't do it. Uh, coitus? Like, I've got nothing. (laughs) Coitus. I don't know, that's the next (laughs) thing. So the coaddle that is in the middle of this existential crisis takes and rears the little baby quaddle and then teaches it to finish the job. So it's like quaddles and sons. It's uh, maybe I don't want to be a lawyer, dad. So again, it's a Gandalf. It's one of the Gandalfs, but it's a Gandalf that has a very relatable awareness of its own mortality, which I can dig. Yeah. So mechanically, this is kind of an adorable friend creature. So most of its stuff is meant to incapacitate, not kill. And it's got a host of stuff to provide support and complement all of its uh, shape-shifting abilities that it has. So the idea is that it's a CR4 monster, which is a fairly early game creature. It's a size category medium, as we mentioned, and it is lawful good in alignment. So you're probably not going to do a whole lot of fighting. And I think this is mostly what the quaddle is designed for being the support creature for your early game fights with your for your players 
Yeah, absolutely. It's nice having a... I really... I've come to appreciate the lawful good creatures of the Monster Manual for being, like, potential NPC fodder. Yeah. Because there's... It's like, it gets kind of tiresome hitting, like, chaotic evil after chaotic evil. Yeah, it's true. It is nice in terms of doing the show. I also think that, compared to the Angels, this is a lot more mechanically consistent. Like, whereas all of the angels felt like they could just rain hell as much as they wanted, the Quaddle is yeah. kind of a passive creature. It doesn't do a lot of damage. It mostly just debuffs stuff and provides support for the players. So it's very team-friendly and so doesn't make me feel as grumpy about it. It doesn't... It still does kind of feel like an OC, do not steal kind of monster, <laughs> but it's the best one that we've seen so far. Well, yeah, and, like, it's kind of more interesting than just getting like an angel to help too because it's like this weird sentient creature instead of like yeah an angel an angel which everyone can comprehend at any stage of their life yeah <laughs> yeah it's kind of cool to have like a mysterious snake being that has existential crises and is somewhat relatable as opposed to yeah. deva which as i recall were just good dudes <laughs> they were just pretty all right dudes yeah yeah i think i like quaddle's Quite a bit, especially compared to Angels. But anyway, it's got a big ol' honkin' AC of 19, which is like a huge big honkin' AC. Like, this is yeah. the biggest, in terms of mechanical deviation, this is the biggest change from CR to appropriate armor class that we've seen so far. Like, this is a dragon's AC for a CR4 monster. It's, I guess it's like, really, they're just real into keeping it... <laughs> snaky just yeah. real slithery yeah well i think that i think that is the idea right and so like i sound like i'm bothered i'm not really bothered because you're never gonna fight this guy the ac feels like it's there to keep your friendly little dragon friend alive during the fights where it needs to be alive mm -hmm. and like to make it feel cool when the kindly wizard that has been guiding you through the mountain pass or whatever finally drops the kindly wizard form turns into a majestic dragon you kind of want to feel cool when the orcs or whatever roll in 18 to hit and it misses. Yeah, and like, it would be really interesting to have to like, visually explain that too, because it's like, does it hit but like, bounce off? Or are they just real fucking fast in disguise? I think the idea, well, it does have a 20 dex, but it also has a 20 everything because it's a celestial fucking emissary and all of these things have way too many points in all of their stats. I think the idea yeah. is that you as the DM want to play up the majesty of this very strong, very spiritual creature once <laughs> it takes its form. So I think I would do just whatever makes the Quaddle seem the coolest after mm -hmm. the shoe drops and your kindly wizard turns into a big dragon. <laughs> I'm sorry, a regular person-sized dragon. Yeah, a, a normal-sized, well, not normal, a small dragon. Mm. So comparably, they have a tiny little small HP of 97. That is much less interesting to talk about, so we'll move past it. They have a walk speed of 30 and a big ol' honkin' fly speed of 90, which, again, that's a big number for a CR4 creature to have. It feels like just another point of inflation to make your dragon friend feel cool. Not only is that a big fly speed for a CR4 to have, that's a big land walking speed in comparison to fly speed. Also true, also true. So, surprise, surprise, the celestial creature can do whatever it wants. And we see that, we see that is, again, the case for its attributes, where most of them are like 20 and 17 and 18 and 20 and 18. They're just really big, ridiculous numbers. 
for your big ridiculous yeah. dragon friend. <laughs> and to sweeten the deal, listen to this. It gets bonuses to its constitution, its wisdom, its charisma saves, its resistant to radiant damage, and it's straight up immune to physical damage from non-magical weapons. So there you go. Even when the, the big- and, and psychic damage. And psychic damage. Uh, so there we are. Even when the big bugbear chief puts the hammer down, it just killed the paladin or whatever. It brings its spear into the quaddle and it just does nothing. So there you go. There's your there's your big deadly dragon friend to make all the party members cheer around it. Truth be told, like, you better make your Gandalf real fucking cool. Because I can imagine this just feeling like the DMPC archetype, where it's like, mm -hmm. oh, this is the guy I play. It's immune to all damage, does everything, and is the best. Let me whip out my magic katanas. <laughs> there's actually a... Well, okay. It's... It has to do with uh, two of the next features on the stat block, so I guess I can wait till they're done. But yeah. there's actually a very interesting reason, past edition-wise, that the Quaddle is immune to psychic damage and stuff. Oh, oh, okay. So to get those things that you mentioned out of the way, it has true sight out to 120 feet, which, like, fucking whatever, pile it on. It's got a decent passive perception of 15 and can speak every language and has telepathy out to 120 feet. And I'm assuming it's the telepathy that is... The important nope, thing. it's the, ne the next features in the features and traits. Oh, okay. And telepathy, yes. <laughs> well, yeah. So, so I mean, you might as well just tell me now, because I've sure. made an ass of myself. Uh, <laughs> so, it is immune to psychic damage, has telepathy, has innate spellcasting, which is just kind of a thing celestials normally get, mm. but it also has shielded mind, which makes it immune to scrying and any effect that would sense its emotion, read its thoughts, detect its location. Ah, yes. Coattles, from their, I believe from, I want to say third and fourth edition, I can't say for sure if it was the case in second edition, but apparently they are celestials who are masters of psionics. Oh, that's interesting. For some reason, they... I don't know if they're the, I assume they're the only Celestials, but all of their Celestial magic uh, somewhat stems from their kind of strange adaption of psionics, and that's why they are immune to psychic damage and have telepathy. Huh, well that's an interesting holdover, and it still has, I mean, we don't get any of that in the lore so much. In fact, these guys seem kind of insecure. It feels kind of weird that they do have resistance to psychic damage. Yeah. I kind of wish there was a little bit more lore context for this psychic stuff and all of this whatnot, but the mechanical stuff is kind of there. This whole, like, yeah. immune to all of this mental stuff makes sense all combined together, yeah. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting that that was, like, one of the first things on its, like, page of details about the Quaddle is how they're masters of psionics, and then you go into this monster manual and it's nowhere. Yeah, it's just another one of those weird addition <laughs> transfer things. I kind of wish they'd kept it because I think the context was a little bit appropriate for how the stat block is now. Yeah. But, oh well. Oh well. So as you mentioned, it's got innate spellcasting where basically it just becomes a walking lie detector. It can, at will, <laughs> cast detect evil and good, detect magic, and detect thoughts whenever it wants. It also gets a whole bunch of cleric healing buffing spells that it gets three per day of of each. So like your cure wounds and your sanctuary and bless and all that stuff. It also gets one per day castings of dream, which I assume is for communicating with the party over long distances. Like uh, I will return to you after the morning of the fifth day Gandalf thing. <laughs> it also gets greater restoration, which I'm guessing is just there in case one of them gets petrified or some shit. And then it also gets scrying, which basically means that they always have a mechanical means of figuring out where to direct the party next. So if you as the DM feel bad about just giving this Gandalf all the information that they need, 
it has a spell built in to make you feel better about that. Oh, kind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> also kindly, they have a trait called magic weapons, where since these folk can shapeshift, it is just a way to cover them always having a magic-based attack, regardless of their form. Yeah. Which means more or less that they have magic weapons probably before some of the players do, which means you can use them to flex in the early game, because the idea is that no matter what form they take, their weapons do have, ma they count as magical weapons. That way you can make them seem powerful against monsters that are resilient to non-magical weapons like werewolves or whatever. <laughs> I hadn't considered that, but I did just have a very vivid picture in my mind of like this coaddle in disguise slashing a werewolf real good across the chest, looking at the party slyly and winking, and everyone's like, wow, yeah. like an anime. Yeah, and again, <laughs> it does feel a little bit like better bust out the magic katanas, but yeah, I- OC, do not steal again. <laughs> I think as long, and I think mechanically the coaddle is built for this, as long as you make it feel more like a helpful cleric and less like a, I'm gonna take care of all of your problems for you kind of character, I think mm -hmm. you can make it work. So lastly, as Travis mentioned, they get the trait Shielded Mind, where they're immune to being scried against or any effect to detect their emotions or their thoughts or their location. Again, it feels like a mechanical way to protect against the, oh, this is a dragon spoiler and is good for that. Mm -hmm. I also think it's kind of good for that Gandalf sense of mystery, like, oh shit, our friend decided to leave for three days, said he'll be back in three days, what do we do? Uh, is there any way we can get any sense of where they went? Nope, okay. <laughs> nope, no fucking idea. Well, all right. We're just gonna have faith that it works out. This guy's suspicious. I wonder what he's thinking. And it's just the sound of wind through the through the trees. <laughs> just, oh. oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, you know, obviously, if you have players that absolutely need to know everything, it might end up ensnaring you somewhat, right? So if you have the wizard that can cast detect thoughts and they're like, yeah, what's going on with this guy? And you're like, nothing and then yeah. they might get more suspicious and push a little bit harder. So in some ways, it's one of those road to hell is paved with good intentions kind of thing. But yeah, I think true. for the most part, if that guy's in your party, just kick him out. Fuck it. <laughs> I agree. Eh. <laughs> no, I'm sure we can come up with better advice than that. <laughs> and I think the idea is that, you know, there are a thousand spells in D&D &D that can keep someone's thoughts from being known or also like, there are, you can phrase it in a number of different ways, like, oh, maybe he just made a save or something. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you can make it work. In terms of their straight up actions, they don't do much for damage, but they do have a couple of nice little debuff attacks, and in some cases, kind of horrifyingly powerful debuff attacks that can be really helpful in what I'm imagining would be the dire encounter where the Coatl needs to make its true self known. So, you know, the party is up against the bugbear chieftain or whatever that's wiping him out. And then all of a sudden the wizard's like, I've got this, and then turns into a dragon. Firstly, they get a bite that has a very accurate plus eight to hit, but does a very small eight 1d6 plus five piercing damage. Importantly- Yeah, very small. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's not the, that's not the exciting thing. That's not the thing to raise your <laughs> dongers about. <laughs> Something that gets hit by this bite has to make a below average DC 13 constitution save or be poisoned for 24 hours. And that poison makes you pass the fuck out. Holy fuck, I didn't even see that part. You just <laughs> fall right asleep. And you can be shaken awake. You can be shaken awake, but there's no anything Save. that protects you from it forever, right? You could you just pass out for a Holy day. Holy shit. And <laughs> goddamn if that's not a fight ender right there. 
like when you're asleep the players can do pretty much whatever they want like they can stab however they can do a whole bunch of damage real quick and since there's no recharge there's no limit on this attack the quaddle is basically just mr sandman as soon as it pops out <laughs> that is bonkers i it's like that little sentence escaped me i i just saw poisoned for 24 hours and i was like oh neat nope <laughs> nope way bigger than that and again, it's not the biggest deal if the Quaddle is on the player's side, but if it ain't, that's not so good. So like, so like, this is one of those creatures where, like angels, they're probably not a lot of fun for an evil party to fight. So, eh, do with that what you will. I kind of, to some extent, I kind of was thinking about it, and I kind of like the idea of, like, just like a bunch of D-tier villains that just constantly get smacked around by angels and quaddles <laughs> and all sorts of good creatures but you know D doesn't really support evil parties which is for the most part fine because evil parties are usually a mistake and won't last more than one or two sessions anyway yeah but like again if you decide to do like this is my fallen quaddle that's evil and characters characters <laughs> beware i would advise to change some of these things that make quaddles really fucking powerful and difficult to fight yeah it also <sighs> That also feels kind of like a real shit thing when it's on your side, just in terms of, like, anticlimax. Because it's like, you as the DM, if the Quaddle decides to go bite, like, the big bad guy and just knocks the guy unconscious. Yeah, like... that is also true. That might also be something that is worth thinking about, where the Quaddle is kind of built to take care of all of the players' problems for them. This kind of does feel like... I got together my five friends who have never played D&D before in their lives. How about I just inject this little friendly helper person to help them along in case something horrible happens? I think that discretion is advised when using a quaddle for players that don't want the assistance so much. So like, you know, if the quaddle does choose to turn into a big old dragon, maybe don't have it shut down the entire boss fight and instead maybe just put a couple of the little orc ads to sleep or something. Yeah. Because, like, man, I there is no part of me that would feel good if at the start of a fight the Quaddle just knocked the dude unconscious and we all crowded around it and got the auto crits that come with the unconscious condition. Absolutely, absolutely. It might be kind of <laughs> funny, so, like, there yeah. might be a team for that, but I do agree that it could end in a real hard anticlimax, like a real deus ex machina. That is more or less what this creature is. It is basically just a built-in deus ex machina. <laughs> yeah, yep. Kinda. So there you go. If at any point your team is about to get wiped and they're only like level three or four, you can just say, oh, and then your friend turns into a quaddle. There you go. Fixes everything. Hold on. Fun thought. Fun thought that I just realized uh, exists just because I I just read Change Shape. Mm -hmm. uh, it can turn into a beast or humanoid with a yes. challenge rating equal to or less than its own. Yeah. If that new form has a bite attack, it can use its bite attack in place. It absolutely can. So your friend, your Gandalf, could just be a really good, good dog that also has, <laughs> like, Rehypnol teeth as well. That's amazing. So, yeah. <laughs> so that could be fun. Hey, rangers aren't strong enough? Have this. <laughs> have this. Have a coaddle, bud. Yeah. Just a, a very small spider mm -hmm. that just knocks people the fuck out. Absolutely. That would be kind of fun and good uh, for the right party. 
<laughs> but yes, that is true. The Kuwadl, we, uh, we might as well. Uh, well, we'll talk about the other thing that Kuwadl can do, and then we'll talk about their chain shape real quick. The other attack that the Kuwadl yeah. can do is called Constrict, since they're snaky folk. They wrap their bodies around stuff to restrain them. It gets an above average plus six to hit. It has a reach of 10 feet and can only target a medium-sized creature or smaller since they're wrapping their bodies around it. It's got to be at least their size. On a hit, it does another teensy 10, 2d6 plus 3 bludgeoning damage and causes the target to be both grappled and restrained with a pretty solid escape DC of 15. As one would expect, oh, yeah. since it's wrapping its entire body around it, the Quaddle can only have this going on one thing at a time. Conflated with the pretty high accuracy of the bite, the Quaddle could just use the restrain of the Constrict to either double down on getting a real sure thing hit with its special bite, or it could use this to juggle other enemies. Since the reach is so long, the Quaddle could maybe lock down one enemy with the restrain, bite at another to keep that person locked down. Again, the idea is that the Quaddle is stacking debuffs against the enemies that can help the players turn the tides, although the sleep poison is probably a little bit overkill yeah a little bit so the last action that they can take is their chain shape action it lets them polymorph into a humanoid or beast that has a challenge rating equal to or less than their own which is four and then it also lets them return to their true form as you would expect with polymorph they poof back to being their own selves their own snaky snaky selves if they die and when they transform all of their equipment slurps into them or is worn by the new form when they transform their AC, movement, strength, dexterity, and their attacks are all replaced by whatever they turn into, and they also get whatever's special about the thing that they turn into. And again, as Travis mentioned, in kind of a fun touch, if they turn into something that has a bite attack, they get to use their Sandman bite. That's just a silly thing to tack there on the end. Sure That's is. Just silly. It is. It's very <laughs> silly. It, I... It's almost redemptive in a way. I do like the idea of, like, here's just your little Charlotte spider friend that can straight up knock out whatever is a problem i cannot believe i have never looked at this creature before because i would have introduced like a dog just a nice fun dog companion at some point man i feel like a fool yeah that's <laughs> that's a little bit about how i feel about the next one i was looking over the next one which are creeping claws and those are very much like the kind of thing that i would have used if i had paid closer attention to the monster manual <laughs> yeah Ugh, that's the good thing about doing this podcast is we're going back through and we're seeing the things we missed. That is true. That is true. So kind of strangely, the book specifies that the Quadl doesn't get any class features of the thing they turn into, which is often the case. It also can't have any like layer actions or crazy ass features, that sort of stuff. It seems kind of weird that they can't get class features, which I guess it feels fair. I understand why they did it. It does feel kind of broken to have this creature that can just suddenly switch between whatever the most broken features of every early game class that are like it would feel kind yeah. of broken if in an action the kuwadl could switch from being able to rage like a barbarian to have cunning action or whatever assassinate yeah and it does again goad the dm into potentially having the tools to just solve all the players problems for them but you know if i do if i want to make a gandalf it does feel kind of weird to not have the wise wizard figure not have any wizard spells yeah. And then, like, as well, the Quaddle can just turn into NPC stat blocks of all of these things. It feels like weird backpedaling that feels kind of extraneous. It feels kind of wobbly. <laughs> In place, ju just flex the rule a little bit and make it so Gandalf can bite people and put them to sleep. <laughs> He's a vampire. <laughs> sleep vampire. Sleep vampire. Yeah. Shush. Only dreams now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go to bed. Shh, shh, shh. <laughs> Go to sleep. 
But yeah, since this is kind of a long-term friend monster, I really don't super recommend or see very many instances of the players fighting this person, so I'm not super concerned with coming up with combat encounters for the Quaddle. And I've kind of already mentioned how they, how I think the Quaddle's true form should be used in a fight. So like, with these sort of plot creatures, just whatever you think would be cool with the tools you have on you. So like, I can imagine, I almost like the idea, this is mostly just going to be me shooting the shit now. I kind of like yeah. the idea of doing a village that is all one Quaddle. That just like, <laughs> we've all heard that meme before of the like village of shapeshifters and mimics that create the town as the players go through them. I think it might be nice to just have one super helpful person that is everybody in this town. <laughs> You're going to want to go see Jonas in the library, and by the time you get there, it has flown its way around the town to get there. Yeah, it's just very sweaty. <laughs> yeah, and I, I kind of like that idea of this, like, mother goose kind of, this mother chicken kind of figure that is like, oh, the chosen ones are coming down to the shop. I got to make sure they're doing all right. And they're just like very like, all right, here, have all these potions. Oh, you got to go fight the bear that's hanging out at the front of town. And then they rush over and turn into a bear and try to make them feel like it's just they're <laughs> inflating their ego. I think that might be kind of a fun thing to do with Kowatls. Just like the bait and switch mission. Yeah, like, yeah. It's it's just there to hype them up. <laughs> oh, no, the bear ran off. Well, we might as well go back to the shopkeeper. <laughs> 90 fly speed dashing through the air. Yeah. Oh, you lost the bear? Oh, well, maybe next time. Hey, you want to go fight this goblin outside of town? <laughs> and then, like, that might be a cool way to begin a campaign where, by degrees, the players start to become aware of what's going on. And then, you know, the quaddle reveals itself and the actual campaign continues. You ever notice you haven't seen Jonas the librarian and Carl the blacksmith in the same place at the same time? Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. Or anyone, for that matter? Yeah, yeah, real ghost town here. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be cool. And then it kind of has this cute little meta-structural thing of, like, you're you're physically buffing the players with experience in order to get them powerful enough to go on the quest that the Quaddle needs them to go on. <laughs> that might be kind of cute and fun. Instead of having its own child, it's just prepping the party to do it. Yeah, absolutely. That might be kind of cool. I kind of like that. <laughs> yeah. that's cute so yeah as always as is so often the case with these game breaky kind of things that D&D throws at you there's a fair bit of fun to be had with this creature that can be most any other creature even if they are more or less explicitly going for the Gandalf thing yeah, yeah. but yeah that's pretty much all I got on Quaddles they're, they're good they're good friends there's some fun to be had with them just be careful that they don't end up fixing all of your problems that you give for the players to solve. Yeah, don't don't Deus Ex Machina them too hard. Yeah, like once a campaign is the arbitrary yeah. number I'm giving you. Like if it's, it's a, it's this, it's the CR and the implication of the the level that you would bring a Coatl in that makes it kind of feel like that. Because like, yeah, the angels were like super strong, but they're also like super strong for a a party that's later on in the game yeah these guys feel kind of like a safety net like uh oh you yeah. don't know what a basilisk is and you've been petrified let me see if i can fix you no oh, the friend the friendly dog in town has weird weird licks that heal people from being stone 
Yeah, well, obviously, you know, if somebody becomes petrified, the game is kind of over, right? The Kuwata will have to turn into a dragon in order to cast spells. But then it becomes oh, yeah, like a, fair. oh man, our friendly spider that knocks people out turned into a very strong, very spiritual creature that with the power <laughs> of faith restored our friend like the like Ash Ketchum at the end of the first Pokemon movie. The power of faith and also psionics, I guess. Whatever. Yeah, I guess. It doesn't, they don't bring it up in the book anymore, so whatever. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I got. Yeah, that's that, that's what I got as well. Good boys. Yeah, they're good sneaky boys. Yeah. Danger noodles, helpful noodles, safety noodles. There it safety is. Safety noodles. That's the one. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Tooth and Nail. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did not, well, I got some news for you. I'm actually a giant feathered snake person, and I can cast, I can cure your wounds. I can fix all your problems. <laughs> I've lost the plot a little bit. If you liked what you listened to, feel free to listen to more Tooth and Nail. If you're done listening to Tooth and Nail, we've got, as always, a bevy of things on nerdsmith.org that you can listen to. Dear DM, uh, Monster Crush, uh, Countless Heroes ended, so you can watch that entire saga. Oh my god, there's so much. <laughs> if you can, you could do all of that. Go, go to town on that. Eat that hot dog sideways. <laughs> and if you really had a good time here, feel free to leave us some reviews wherever it is you've listened to it. Yeah, and if you're if you're feeling real cool, if you're feeling real extra special, mm. you can subscribe to Nerdsmith. Yeah, yeah. Instead of just being a regular listener metamorph into a giant feathered serpent listener by subscribing to Nerdsmith. <laughs> so spiritual, so strong. So strong. So strong. So safety noodle. Yeah, very much, very much so. So what's our creature comfort for tonight? <sighs> Man, all this talk about putting things to sleep has made me want to nap. Yeah, get yourself a nap. Get, <laughs> get yourself yeah. a nap. Take yeah. naps. Do just drink a whole bunch of... Nope, sorry. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't. I was gonna say Nyquil. I was gonna say Nyquil. I I was gonna say Nyquil. So don't 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 worry there. Uh, but also don't do that either. Yeah, don't do that at all. Yeah, but do get drink some a whole good bunch sleep. of drink a whole bunch of and then like cut in hot cocoa. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Have a good day. Mm.